Hello everyone, uh, my name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong and welcome to this episode of Cracking Addiction. And once again, we have with us the good Dr. Laura Petracek. Hello, Laura. How are you? Good, Fergal. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. So the last time we spoke, we discussed Dear Woman, which was your take on the Dear Man um, mnemonic that allows us to conceptualize a framework by which we can negotiate with friends, partners, colleagues, etc., or anyone really. Now, we'd got through dear and we got through the W of dear woman. So we've got to now discuss the O-M-A-N. So we're going to do O-Man today. What does the O stand for? It stands for observing or observation. So that Mm. means you're in the middle of this negotiating. You've done describe, express, assert. Um, remind, and then you're in um, the observing is kind of taking a step back and saying, okay, where are things now? Because usually once we start this negotiation or start this discussion using Dear Woman, by the time we're through it, most people are are calmed down or emotions aren't running as high. And so it's kind of like doing a, like a temperature, taking the temperature. Where are things now? So there's a number of things to, or rather, there's a number of things that I would like to talk about, you know, when we're thinking about observing. You know, firstly, you said that, you know, by the time you get to the observing stage, the emotions have calmed down again. And I think there's, there's always a fear not always, but there's frequently a fear on the part of people that need the dear woman technique that actually creating boundaries and, 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 and saying no or asking for appropriate help or assistance is going to in some way threaten the pre-existing relationship. And that's just not true. You know, there's a basic principle that people with good boundaries are well-respected and well-liked. You know, good fences make good neighbors. That's the first point I would make. The next point I would make is that, you know, think, you know when I think about observing, I also think about being the, the, the disinterested observer, you know, almost in the context of acceptance and commitment therapy. What, what do you think about that? The disinterested, oh, kind of the neutral observer, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's an ideal stance. I don't think it's uh, it's hard to achieve. I think it's easier if you're not emotionally involved. Like, let's say it has to do with, you know, talking to your phone company or the gas station or something. But if it's a relationship, I think that would be very hard to be neutral. And, you know, I actually disagree going back to your previous statement meaning Mm -hmm. people aren't threatened by losing the relationship or the person getting upset or leaving. Because I do think, uh, you know, clients I work with and myself included at times that, oh, if I assert myself like, hey, this isn't okay, the person may get upset or may leave or you know, very extreme situation. They may end the friendship or relationship. Um, 
So that does get in people's way of setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I, I use the phrase afterburn, meaning I discuss with the client, okay, you're going to make this statement next time you see your husband, wife, I don't like it when you're late and you're probably going to have guilt feelings come up or worry or fear. And those I call the afterburn, those feelings will burn off just like the fog does. So when we try a new behavior or assert ourselves or say no, you know, there's a lot of jitteriness inside. Like, how is this going to go over? And, um, yeah. and so to remind clients that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how does, how does observing help us deal with the afterburn? Or well, observing like, well, how am I feeling now? Okay. I feel a little scared. I just told this person you know, I didn't want to go to X restaurant. I wanted to go to Y because of food allergies or whatever. And they weren't happy about it, but I kind of held my ground. Now, how mm. am I feeling and how are they feeling? Do they seem to be more entrenched in their position or are they backing off a little bit? And where am I? You know, am I feeling afraid mm. after asserting myself or am I feeling confident um mm. or are we at more of a standoff so kind of uh, reassessing the situation mm. after setting a boundary after asserting and stating how you feel and um it could go both ways I, yeah yeah I, and i suppose thinking about what you've just said you know this this acknowledgement of the potential for you know the fog and the negative feelings and the self-doubt that's when the mindfulness, the M of man, the mindfulness really does become on its own, come into its own, isn't it? And now's the time, if ever before, you really do need to start practicing some mindfulness to kind of get yourself centered and grounded and be in the present. What, what do you think of that? Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. I would just say the M in woman. But um, <laughs> <laughs> forgive me, I'm trying to change my 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 mnemonic from dear man to dear woman. I think it's great that you've got this whole whole picture approach and then being observant. I think it's really great. <laughs> um, but yes, being mindful is yeah. key, being in the present moment, mm -hmm. because a lot of times as our negotiating or discussions are going on, we're still stuck at the beginning. You yeah. know, instead of, oh, wait, they've kind of softened a little bit, or maybe mm. they've actually redoubled down. Um, so that's also challenging, I think, for people to be in the moment of discussions instead of, well, last week you said this. Well, that's not right now. Let's, let's try to yeah. deal with the issue at hand. What advice would you give to someone who's trying to be mindful in the moment in that situation? I mean, what, what does it mean? to be mindful what techniques to can be you offer? aware like do a quick body scan what am i feeling right now mm. okay yeah. what what's my take on what's going on with this other person are they um you know is it are they getting escalated um because sometimes with this skill 
especially if a client asserts themselves and the other person isn't really used to them doing that, they could get escalated. Like, what do you mean? How dare you say X, Y, Z? Um, so to be aware of that, and maybe this is a good place for a timeout, meaning let's agree to disagree and we'll come back later for this discussion. But sometimes, unfortunately, mm -hmm. the person who are also having this discussion with could, the things could go the other way. They could get more upset if they feel they're quote being challenged or you're asserting a boundary mm. uh, instead of if you do your usual MO of uh, just capitulating, not setting a boundary because you want to people please or not have conflict mm. or conflict avoidant. Which then brings us on, I mean, this idea of people pleasing and capitulating, which then brings us on to the A in dear woman which for me means don't apologize, don't, don't capitulate. So I love this uh, skill that Dr. Linehan talks about, no apologies. And sometimes people go, what do you mean? We should apologize if we're wrong, right? But a lot of times clients and myself included, um, like if you stub my toe, I used to say, I'm sorry. I mean, I would apologize for everything. And that's not good for someone's self-esteem, for someone's uh, mental health. When I was starting my internship for being a psychologist, uh, the uh, a psychologist who was already working there was saying, okay, and this is where the paperwork is, and this is where that is. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. Can you tell me where this is? Oh, I'm sorry. I would start every set. He goes, why are you apologizing? This is your first day. How would you possibly know this? And I was like, wow, yeah. he's right. And I wasn't aware of then how much I do that. And a lot of clients do too. I'm sorry, could you say that again? I said, well, I want you to try, if you can't quite hear someone, forget the I'm sorry, just say, can you say that again? And it's really something, being mindful is also gaining awareness of how often mm. we apologize when there's no apology necessary. And I think especially for women, you know, apologizing is our middle name. And so it's even more mm -hmm. so to teach women that you don't need to apologize. Basically you end up apologizing for who you are and that's not healthy. That's not, that's not good. It's not good for anyone. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's, it's, You've alluded to, you know, the, a kind of a linguistic tool that people do use. I'm sorry when they don't mean I'm sorry. They they mean things like excuse me or um, I'm, I want attention or I, I'm going to interrupt something or and, and and you know reflecting on myself when I disagree with people and I'm about to say something that that, that is disagreeable. Right. I will preface it by saying, or I used to preface it with <laughs> I'm sorry, but. Um, right. You know, and really, it, to to for me, part of so the now DA. What do you say instead? So what I say, so excuse me. Good. However, that's a good one. That's a good one. Excuse yeah. So me. for me, it's not just you know, it's not just enough to say to someone, "Don't apologize," but you've actually, from it, well, I try and teach people the phraseology to use instead. Yes, and I think "excuse me" is a 
Is it the same as I'm sorry? Well, you know, because it is no. socially acceptable. It's linguistically acceptable to say, excuse me, when you're about to interrupt someone or when you're about to disagree. Right. It is acceptable. And it's less yeah. damaging to one's, uh, or not damaging, it's kind of a strong word, but less... Detrimental? Detrimental to one's self-esteem. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I actually, um, I, you know, the, I, I had this issue yesterday morning, right? Uh, in my place of work, we have a, a, a young lady who works as a cleaner, and she's from a foreign country, and her English is very minimal. And, you know, we, you know, I, I chat to her in the morning, because I'm there early as well. We say hello, how was your day, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm teaching her, you know, this is a tie, this is a shirt, stuff like that. But and so we've we've been kind of we've got this kind of superficial friendship relationship. And she I was in the office and she knocked the door and walked in with her mop and bucket and said, I'm sorry. I looked at her and I said, I don't want you to say I'm sorry again because you're doing your job and I'm the one that has to get out of your way because unless I get out of your way, you can't mop the floor. And from now on I want you to say, excuse me. That's awesome. That's mm. awesome. So, but she Definitely didn't even know that phrase, you know, and that really brought it to the fore that a lot of people don't actually know how to speak in these situations where they would previously revert to the good old tried and tested, uh, you know, I'm sorry, it's, it's all me, it's not you. Yeah. Well, and also, I'm sorry, it comes from a one down position. You know, I'm yeah. sorry, please don't be mad at me. You know, yeah. I'm the one who's at fault. Yeah. And then that's usually yeah. has to do with um, culture yeah. and or cultural or where they see themselves in the scheme of things and the rating yeah. of who's more valuable or important than others. So it has to do with, oh, I'm just a lowly. I mean, in her mind, I'm just uh, guessing. Oh, I'm only a cleaner and you're a doctor. So I'm mm. going to say I'm sorry because I'm not yeah. in a higher position. You know, so that's yeah. part of it, I think, too. Another phrase that I hear a lot is. Sorry, I, I didn't hear you. I think it's great you taught her the difference. Mm. Or that you told her, don't ever say that again. Yeah, don't. I don't want to hear I'm sorry. You're doing your job. That's you right. That's what you have to do. That's awesome we have to that facilitate you your doing your job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, another phrase that I hear a lot is, I'm afraid not, or I'm afraid that, you know, I'm afraid can you that, do this? I'm you... afraid not. Yeah. Can you do this for me? I'm afraid not. I'm not afraid that I can't do it. You know, I'm just, ah. it's, it's just another way of saying I'm sorry. And I tell people. It's another way of saying no. Yeah. I'm afraid yeah. not. If It's another way of saying no. I actually prefer the phrase, it appears that that is not possible. Or it appears not. And why does that? Because do like I'm that? not afraid. I'm. I'm. I'm not actually afraid. I'm. I'm almost apologizing for disagreeing with yes. you. Yes. So it's another. It's. It's almost an apology. Well, actually, it. You know, it's not. I'm not apologizing. You know. So mm-hmm. it appear. I prefer the phrase. It appears not, or, or it appears no. Because it's taking mm-hmm. that agency away from me to over there. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And also there's another the, one. I need time on. to think about it. 
So we don't have to yeah. answer right away. Cause a lot of times there's always this pull to get an answer right now. And yeah. instead saying, I need time to think about it. And then usually the person doesn't even come back around or if they do, they're not really expecting it to be a yes. So you're kind of like yeah. giving them a soft landing. Yeah. That's yet again, a very useful segue to the end, isn't it? I need time to think about it so that we can negotiate. Yes. Talk to us about negotiation in Dear Woman. So negotiation has to do with, well, it depends on, uh, there's some other factors that come involved or are involved in negotiation. Like how important is this relationship to you? If it's of high importance, then you're going to uh, maybe be more flexible in negotiation or more giving in your stance. Whereas if it's not important, you may stand your ground a little bit more or uh, not have as much emotional investment. And then, um, so depending on how much you value the relationship, you see, you decide with yourself how important is it? You know, how important is this that where you want to go to dinner is not where I want to go? Well, in the scheme of things, mm -hmm. Laura, it's not that important. So, um, but if the question was, uh, I think we should buy a house in Paris, what do you think? Well, that's a very different question. That one I would definitely want to negotiate on a more deeper level. Um, so, yeah, how important is it really? Well, yeah, where we go to eat? Eh, okay, let's go where you want to go. Uh, you know, I don't need one. It's not worth getting into. But, you know, where we're going to spend uh, half a million, now that I want to talk more about. Is that just a way of capitulating? I don't see it as a way of capitulating. I see it as a way of kind of ordering the importance of what you're discussing. Mm. So mm. how important is it? Is it really that important to get into a huge discussion where we eat, unless it's like a Christmas or birthday dinner, then, you know, that's a little bit more important. But I think for an everyday meal, it's not that important. Or I want to go here grocery shopping. You want to go there. How important is that? Well, they have X, Y, and Z here. Oh, okay. Well, they don't have it over here. So I think it, it also depends on the, um, on the importance of what's being asked or negotiated. What's, how important is it to you? And a lot of times we think everything is of utmost importance. And the thing is, a lot of it, our day-to-day -day negotiating is not like a life or death decision, but we yeah. take it that way when a lot of times it's our ego that's involved and has nothing to do with what's being negotiated. So you take your Absolutely. ego and you're yeah. like, well, you know, it's not so, let's go over here for now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's all about ego. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, let me tell you a story. I, <laughs> a friend of mine was going on holiday with his brother and his sister-in-law and him. So his wife and, you know, his brother and his brother's wife. And they did this every year, and there was all they always went somewhere, and there was this the same place, and there was always a competition about who got the best bedroom. 
And officially, there was supposed to be an alternative arrangement, but it never worked because this friend's brother always took got there first and commandeered the best bedroom. And this friend of mine, he and his wife, of course, had the huge argument because the wife wanted the better bedroom, and the wife then said, "Well, you never negotiate, you never assert, you never meet my needs, you never, you know." It became a it became a very black and white argument. Right? The, I mean, people used the word like never. When I hear the word never, it was not never true. You, you can't ever say never. But that's just a, a function of the heightened arousal and the emotions. And and he came to me and he said, you know, how do I deal with this? You know, this is um, you know, I I it's, you know it's becoming really an issue that I get a bedroom that's got an ensuite bathroom rather than having to walk down the hall and use the main bathroom. And he was so wrapped up in the in, in the in the value system of this process and, and and how it reflected the power dynamics between him and his brother, he couldn't take the ego out of it, and nor could his wife. Mm. Yeah, I definitely you know. know that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's just one example of many examples that I can think of in terms of how, if we can take the ego out of this. Mm-hmm. You don't need to, you, you can negotiate, which then brings me to the other point about if you take the ego out of something, are you actually freeing yourself from want, which is, I'm led to believe, one of the, one of the paths to true happiness in, in, the, uh, in the Buddhist philosophy. So if you don't really care what the outcome is, and you, know, you can be that objective, uh, disinterested observer. I think if you take the ego out of it, I think there would be a lot less arguing and discussion because like what the example you just gave. Yeah. I hear the wife even having more of a, her ego involved than him, not just ego, but she interpreted him not standing up as somehow feeling like her needs aren't important. You know, she's filling in the gaps in a negative way. Whereas I don't yes. think that's where he was coming from at all, but that's how she interpreted it in a negative way. Yeah. And There's we a lot tend of projection think, there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious, how did you resolve it with this couple or this client? Oh, it's not my job to resolve that. Thankfully, it was just my job to support him and be supportive. Oh, okay. I resolved oh, the situation by providing right. him with emotional support and said, oh, there, you poor thing. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> How does a psychologist resolve any problem? What do you think? How do you feel about that? <laughs> but you know, it is interesting when I. Like how how does a psychologist change a light bulb? <laughs> the light bulb has to want to change, Fergal. Has to want to change itself. <laughs> um, going back to the, you know, having your ego involved, there is something very freeing about like not having your ego involved. Uh, they have in the 12 step program. They're saying you could either be right or you could live. And I thought, Oh, yeah. I like the idea of living better than having to be right. Cause being right yeah. is having our ego involved. Um, the situation where this client was correcting this uh, person they were dating, they're from another country, they wouldn't necessarily say the words correctly. And I said, what if you just let her say however she could best say it without getting your 
ego involved. They're having, you know, saying, oh, I know the right way. And, you know, mm. she said it was very freeing, like not having to correct yeah. someone all the time or, um, mm. yeah. It takes a lot of energy to be animancastic, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It most certainly does. On that sweet note, we're going to have to wrap it up because once again, we've run out of time. But I really want to thank you for your pearls of wisdom and for uh, showing us the dear woman technique for negotiating with friends, colleagues, partners. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Frigo, and thank you for having me. That's all for today, folks. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and this has been Cracking Addiction. <laughs>